Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 382. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, as always, my co-host, Corey Romero, who runs the VExpert program. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing good. I don't know if I'm fantastic, but I'm doing pretty good. It's a good day today. Um, on the show today, we're going to have Paul Fazone. He is the uh, the GM and VP of Cloud Native Apps BU. So, uh, really, a pleasure to have uh, Paul Fazone, who runs the the Cloud Native Apps BU, come on the podcast today and answer some questions. Photon OS. Uh, GA'd uh, a couple weeks ago and thought we'd have Paul on to talk about the strategy and where we're going, VMware's going around cloud native apps. So he's on the show today. Paul, are you on the call? I am, Eric. Thanks for having me today. Yes, uh, can't wait to get get in and talk to you about what's happening with with CNABU. But before we do that, uh, Corey and myself, we should do a little bit of news. So Corey, I have a couple things around VM world, and I know you have something about the experts, and thought maybe we would touch base with VMUG as well and see what's happening there. Excellent. Sounds so, VM World key dates on the way: April 27th through the 31st, 2017 is VM World US. If you haven't heard about that, the uh, call for papers has closed. Voting is happening now through April 7th. So after April 7th, I'm assuming they're going to make some announcements on what papers got in and what papers didn't. Uh, after that, we will open up to V Brown Bag to see if we can collect some of the people that didn't get in and have their presentations at VMworld. So, uh, but right now they're doing the voting, and we should hear back after April 7th to know who got in and who did not. With regards to conference passes, Early Reg is not open yet, but they have a new thing happening called VMworld Pre-Purchase Full Conference Pass at the lowest price possible. So you can now purchase a pass, pre-purchase a pass for $1,795 U.S. Uh, to come to VMworld U.S. Barcelona, uh, 11th through the 14th of September. Remember, uh, this year it's earlier. It's not going to be out there in October, November. It is going to be in September, 11th through the 14th. Registration is not yet open. Call for papers is across the board. Um, in the chat, we have, I don't think you can stack your discounts. The question is VMUG alumni and other discounts. I don't think you can do that. I think you choose which one you're going to use to answer that question in chat. So that's the VMworld news uh, from a standpoint of the schedule, and we'll try to bring you more information about the schedule as we move forward. Uh, we're planning for VMworld, uh, the community group is, we're planning a VExpert gathering, Corey. I would assume that's going to happen again this year. We'll probably have Pat stop by and say hello like he did last year, so we're looking forward to that. We are discussing having the beams again. I know a lot of community members beamed in and said hello to people in the community booth, so we're looking at that. And we're also looking at doing a series of tweet-ups. So if you're interested in helping us drive the agenda for VMworld, the social team, please give us some feedback on what you would like us to do there. Uh, we're trying to switch it up a little bit this year. We will also have some VMware code events happening at VMworld this year. The hackathon will happen. We're 
hoping to do that on a Monday night. Uh, we are also going to be, the code will have a booth at VMworld for signups. And we are considering an all-day code event on Thursday. So um, give us some feedback on what you'd like to see us do at VMworld this year. Uh, Europe, we're also trying to figure out what to do. We're not happy with the VMworld booths, the community booths in Europe. We don't get a lot of traction there. So if you'd like us to do something different in Europe, uh, please give us your feedback. Um, Corey, what do you got on the calendar for VExperts? Yeah, so I just have two things for VExperts. Uh, but going back to the VMworld parties for VExperts, um, yeah, we'll have both of those for U.S. and Europe. And those generally fall on Tuesdays. Uh, once we have all the information, we'll get that out to everybody as well. But for uh, for VExperts, I just wanted to give a shout-out to VExperts again this week. Thank you. We had two really successful webinars, um, both uh, both Monday morning – or sorry, both Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning this morning um, with both Data Gravity and Infinidat. So VExperts showed up. Thank you. Uh, the recordings are posted are posted in the uh, in the community as well. Great, great. Thanks for doing those. Thanks for people showing up. VMugs thought we would do a shout out to VMugs before we get started with the show. Um, there are a lot of VMugs. If you haven't been to VMugs, VMugs has a brand new calendar. Uh, you can go to vmug.com, www.vmug.com. And then look at the calendar. It's right on the front page. You can click into the calendar. It's at slash attend slash calendar. They have a really nice calendar now that shows you what's coming up. Just to do some shout outs, uh, there are a bunch of things over the next week. I try to do this on a week. So this is uh, today is March 22nd. Uh, we have Las Vegas VMUG meeting, Pontiac Regional VMUG, UserCon, Fort Wayne VMUG meeting. New York City VMUG meeting, Northeast England VMUG meeting, Phoenix VMUG meeting, Toronto VMUG meeting, Melbourne VMUG meeting. That's just for today. Tomorrow, the 24th, New Jersey, uh, Prince George, Portland, Austin. Portland and Austin are on the 28th. Southwest Ontario, Charleston, South Dakota, Kansas City, Rochester to New York, German, the South is on the 29th, and then we have Birmingham, Vancouver, Myrtle Beach on the 30th and 31st, and on and on. So if you want to get to a VMUG, they're all going. Go to vmug.com, um, figure out where, what your local user group is and when the next meeting is, and, and go hang out with us. Uh, love to see real people at VMUGs engaging in community. So that's a shout-out to VMUG, and now we'll get on with the show. But before we do the show, we do have some community roundtable guests uh, Adam Osterholt, a systems engineer, is on the call. He'll be here to ask our guest, Paul Bazone, some questions. Also, Paul Gifford, uh, also a system engineer, he's on the call. And we might have Shang Sheen and Edward Halecki. I'm not sure if they're on the call, but if they are, they get to ask questions too. So thanks for our community roundtable people to be, to be on to ask our guests some questions, and we'll get started. So first off, uh, Paul Fazone. GM and VP of Cloud Native Apps BU. Welcome to the show. Um, have you been on the show ever before? Uh, I have not, Eric. Thanks for having me today. Great. Uh, why don't you take a minute and give us the elevator pitch. Who are you? What do you do at VMware? How long have you been at VMware? What have you done in the ecosystem? In how long have you been out in the land of IT? Okay. Um, so I joined VMware about 
uh, four and a half years ago through the uh, through an acquisition VMware made of a company called Nasira. Uh, that turned into what is today the VMware uh, NSX product. Um, at Nasira, and then for the first couple of years of my uh, time here at VMware, I ran product management and product strategy for NSX. Um, and then prior to that, I spent about a decade of my life at Cisco in various roles, ranging from uh, systems engineering to product development. Uh, and then before that, I was a customer, going back to uh, the early part of the 2000, and that was, um, uh, that was um, I, I went right out of school and became a customer. Um, so I That's was fantastic. building and running uh, trading floors and credit card networks for a big bank on the East Coast. I always uh, respect people that end up in senior management positions that were actually a customer. I know I was a customer for a, for a long time, ran a data center, and it's it's really good to have that perspective. So fantastic. Um, so uh, now you're you're at VMware, and now you're ending up running the the uh, cloud native business BU, the cloud yep. native apps business BU. Yep. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So. Um, I took on, I got involved with the team about um, end of the summer last year, right before VMworld, um, and I um, had been, you know, we've been, uh, as folks on the on the call or, or on the podcast, they are, are uh, hopefully aware of today, NSX has gone from, you know, kind of a, a small, you know, early stage idea to this, to this mainstream product over the last four or five years, um, and so I was, Looking at inside of VMware, what you know, what's the next big thing? And, and clearly, the cloud native space and the container space in general is um, is a major transformation that's that we're at the early stages of in the industry. Um, and so I I uh, started talking to to Kit Colbert, who was my predecessor in this role, about um, the the team's efforts and, and where it could lead the company, and got really excited about the opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day. If you even look, just look at the name of our company, the first two letters are VM, right? That, you know, for the last decade and a half or so, that has been the, you know, de facto virtualization workload in our customers' data center environments. And we're at the early stages of a new form of virtualized workload in the container. And so the, the, the opportunity for, for VMware and um, is to effectively go after and, and to support that type of new virtualized workload and um, all of the implications it brings um, as good as, as good as if not better than we were able to support VMs for the past decade and a half. And so our my team's charter here at VMware is to do a couple of things. We're both a, um, a core R&D organization, so we've got uh, over 100 engineers working on a couple of very specific projects that are supporting VMware's efforts in this space. Uh, and we also serve to help the uh, broader VMware R&D team um, uh, become educated and start to evolve the products that we currently have in market to be more container aware and more container ready for our customers' production needs. Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, you, you, you tell the history there, and I find that particularly interesting in that when VMware first started, we were basically a virtualization company, right? And the VM was the container, was our company. Um, it was the center of everything we did. 
but then as, as, as you've seen us grow, and I know I've watched us grow, you know, we, we, we attack storage, we talk, attack networking, we attack management, and we build the SDDC, which is really an automated infrastructure for your whole data center. And the VM is, is still critical or a container of some type is critical, but really it's about software-defined control of that whole environment. And the container itself is less critical and how you're managing all of this through software, it becomes the true value add that I see VMware doing. So the actual container itself is can be changed to a different technology. You still need all of these things around it, whether it be networking, storage, management, to actually run your data center. Absolutely. And I think that the interesting challenge and opportunity around containers, because of the way developers are now reimagining how they'll build their applications, um, con the container form factor and the whole microservices approach to application development is driving an explosion in the, the number of um, virtualized workloads, not VMs, but the combination of VMs and containers working together to, to create these microservices applications. And every single one of those workloads now um, needs uh, a network connection point or needs to be backed by storage or needs a security policy applied to it. So. The, the volume of workloads is, I believe, over the next five years is going to, is going to expand by uh, an order of magnitude in terms of what our enterprise customers are running in production. And with that explosion of workloads, the, the infrastructure complexity and, and the automation capabilities are going to move from a really nice to have and really you know, great feature for traditional applications to an absolute essential feature for uh, application modernization. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Um, and, and then I see this, the transition from where I have thousands of VMs in production, right, where I then start having development starting to figure out how to break my application apart into microservices, uh, into container deployable components. And then I look at that and I say, how do I deal with this? How am I going to deal with this whole management of all of these apps coming in different pieces? And managing that must become just a huge problem. It, yeah, I mean, it's, there's definitely, a, again, just the sheer explosion of, of, call it managed nodes, for lack of a better term, but these, these, these things that you have to keep track of, um, whether they're stateful or stateless, it doesn't matter. They're still connecting to your enterprise infrastructure. They're still supporting your, uh, you know, sometimes customers, sometimes in, internal employee-facing applications. So in an enterprise organization, they can't, um, they can't lose track of those specific elements, discrete elements from a compliance perspective, an audit, auditing perspective, a logging perspective. Um, so it's, it's a lot of what we've been doing over the last decade, but now the scale and the level of complexity has grown by, uh, by an order of magnitude. And so automation, like I said, automation now becomes uh, essential and it can't just be in one area of uh, one section of the data center. It has to go across compute, uh, networking, security, storage, and operations. So CNA has not been, you know, a BU, it wasn't a BU back when Kit, you know, started it. It was kind of a collection of pieces. It is now consolidated around a vision, and you're running that BU. What, what would you say your elevator pitch for your BU is? What's the, what's the elevator pitch for the business? Um, yeah, good, good question. So the elevator pitch is, is, uh, is simply this. We're develop um, driving technologies at VMware and developing technologies at VMware that can help our customers realize the modernization of their applications. 
Um, and we do that through, you know, in a couple of different ways. Um, there are a number of customers who are have you know, huge, huge install bases of vSphere, have been deploying NSX and vSAN more recently. Um, and for those customers, we want to make it really easy to expand the, the, the service area of that um, infrastructure service to include containerized workloads. Um, on, uh, and then we have another set of customers, and this is, this is a set of customers that's um, um, much smaller at this stage, but they're, they're, um, they're being a lot more aggressive in their adoption of microservices applications, or microservices architectures, excuse me. Um, and for those customers, they're, in many cases, they're looking for a, what I would say is effectively a public cloud experience, but in the data center that they control. And so for those customers, when I say a public cloud experience, you think about um, API-driven infrastructure, you think about uh, a collection of, of developer-ready services on top of that infrastructure where developers don't have to file a trouble ticket or pick up the phone and call uh, the, the infrastructure team to get something provisioned, right? So a true self-service, multi-tenant model, um, and a very specific focus on um, uh, modern application architectures, uh, container runtimes, modern application frameworks. Um, and then for that side of the house, or for those types of customers, uh, we've been developing uh, a product called Photon Platform, which seeks to both simplify and fully automate the IaaS itself, so the, the compute, the network, the security, the storage capabilities, and the operational capabilities to expose a uh, a public cloud-like IaaS service, but on the data center that customers, in the data center that customers uh, operate themselves, um, and marry that with a set of developer services on top that make it really easy for um, the uh, VMware's kind of target, you know, key customers, our, our IT champions, to turn around to their development teams and say, here, I can give you this service on uh, on Photon today, you don't you don't have to wait for a, you know a, a long certification process. It's it's built in. It's ready to go. So we're really kind Actually, of targeting those two those two sides of uh, of the world. That's the first time I have understood the Photon platform. Now, right? That, that's an excellent description. I did not understand legitimately what we were trying to do with Photon. But what you're really saying is. For an enterprise that already got, understands VM and has all this technology that we already offer, you know, you can go get Photon, and you basically get DevOps, agile development, all of this new modern, you know, way to do your application development in a box, right? That plugs into your data center and operates and gives you, you know, containers, Vic, everything you would need to be modern in your application development environment. Yes. So basically, yeah. you know, how do you get and stated in a slightly different way, how do you get, um, how do you enable your developers to effectively get infrastructure out of the way, but still preserve the enterprise capabilities you need in a self-service automated fashion that allows your CIO to, to, to sleep reasonably well at night? At the same time, solving some of the problems that I think the container folks haven't even started to think about yet, which, you know, is, you know, all the management, all the security, all the network fabric, everything else that comes with, you know, a robust, you know, software-defined data center infrastructure, you know, layered in with, you know, Docker containers and a micro OS. I, th I think that makes a, a lot of sense. I'll stop for a moment and ask uh, my community roundtable guests if they want to jump into the conversation, ask you anything about what we've talked about so far. So Adam or Paul, uh, any thoughts on or any questions you would uh, like to hit uh, Paul with? 
Yeah, the one I, the one I hear quite a bit is you know the difference between the open source photon controller and and photon platform. I know you talked a little bit about that, but you know what is the the key differentiation you know between those two? Sure. So. Um, Photon controller, think of photon controller is, is roughly analogous to uh, vCenter for, you know, for the folks who are listening who understand the, the vSphere architecture very well. So photon controller is a open source um, compute scheduling, provisioning, and management layer, but it also includes a couple of other elements. It includes um, a multi-tenancy capability as well as a um, unified uh, REST API service that encapsulates the different elements of the platform across compute, network, security, storage, and operations. For, and, this, and now I'm gonna get into what, what makes up Photon Platform. Photon Platform is our enterprise offering of the Photon Controller plus a couple of other uh, elements that make up a commercial enterprise offering for our customers. So Photon Platform includes the controller, it includes um, uh, it can tr includes ESX. It includes a um, a focused version of uh, NSX and a focused version of vSAN. When I say focused, I mean uh, feature specific version of, of each of those products that are encapsulated in a single product offering called Photon Platform. It's available as of March, I think, second or third on the VMware price list. Um, um, and with that one product SKU, you get a ready-made cloud-native uh, infrastructure as a uh, infrastructure uh, service offering, um, not as a service, it's still an on-prem uh, offering today, um, that has out-of-the-box built-in support for um, uh, Kubernetes. So you can get started with Kubernetes on the platform out-of-the-box. Um, and there's also a version of this that's available with um, with Pivotal Cloud Foundry as a bundled SKU. So for our customers who are um, adopting uh, the PCF PaaS platform um, and want to use it in a um, with a uh, unified IaaS solution underneath, there's an offering for them as well. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and now I, I'm starting to get the, the 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 understanding of the platform itself. Um, What's the um, what's the what's the adoption rate of Photon in general? Have we started to see customers in in our space start to look at solutions around Photon? I know we have you know the top 1,000 Fortune 1,000 customers are already you know using VMware products. Uh, what's the pickup of on the uh, on this, uh, and how quickly do we see adoption of this type of technology? Are enterprises really starting to look at this, or has this been kind of more like? thought leadership, we're talking about it, but nobody's really doing it yet. It's um, more, of the, more of the latter, Eric, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why that is. Um, I'm seeing kind of two things with our customers right now. One is there's a, um, I think about vSphere plus NSX plus the vSAN offering. That is such a widely deployed uh, the vSphere piece of it, it uh, and NSX and vSAN are growing like weeds right now, but such a widely deployed platform and is, is core to so many of our customers' production environments um, that most, again, in that, in that, uh, for those customers, the container services that we're offering on top of that uh, platform or the vSphere platform 
are, is very interesting to them in terms of getting them started with containers today. We've got another set of customers that are emerging, and this usually, and this is a difference between you know, core IT and a big enterprise customer and a, um, a special development project coming out of one of the lines of business. Um, core IT has to think about the entire forest, right? Every tree in the forest, and they need to, they need to offer a solution that accommodates all you know, trees of different uh, shapes and sizes. A focused project coming out of an enterprise line of business doesn't necessarily have those same restrictions or caveats. They're looking much more at a very specific, um, they're trying to solve a very specific business problem. They're trying to, to, to address that problem as quickly as possible. They're looking for the exact right tool to do that in the shortest amount of time possible. And those are the types of scenarios we're starting to see photon uh, uh, resonate and really start to, to you see the light bulbs as we tell customers what we're doing with this platform and why we're doing it. Those are the scenarios we see customers really uh, igniting around it. And and I'll say the one thing that's in common with the that kind of second type of customer is a very deep understanding at this stage and a desire to adopt a full-blown microservices architecture for their applications. Where on the core IT and the, the, the um, I'd say, more traditional side of the house, where in many of our largest enterprises there are three, four, five thousand app custom applications in production, um, the, uh, as one customer put it to me the other day, the, the cow is producing milk. So why change the cow, right? They're, they're thinking about it very practically. They've got such a huge install base, um, but they want to try to, to be more efficient in what they're getting out of that cow. So they're looking at this in terms of how do I take the resources I've already got and get, and get more out of them. And so this is where our containers on vSphere initiative with um, Vic is, is the, the, the product that I think most of, the, most of your listeners are, uh, have heard about. Sure, um, right. Is, is really gaining a lot of traction right now with customers. We're doing a lot of um, pretty detailed evaluations and proof of concepts. Um, and customers are really looking at it for one, like the starting point use case for that is, is really simple. It's I've got a lot of um, traditional workloads running in VMs, the workload itself, the application logic may be a, a, an Apache web server. It's really lightweight, but it's riding on a fairly bloated operating system. Can I use Vic to basically strip out that heavyweight operating system and reduce my memory footprint on the install for that and get a lot more mileage out of the, that vSphere cluster that I already have in place? Right? So that's a sure. very simple, right. logical use case that we see on the um, kind of traditional application side of the house. And that, and that is kind of a first step for many of our enterprise customers going towards digital transformation in their environments. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that use case of getting more out of less. And I was going to ask about Vic, and I'll follow up with that. But I also, you also struck me with, we ran into the same thing. We, were, we run a, in our community world, we run a platform called Jive. And recently we, we looked at maybe going open source, maybe looking at Drupal and replacing Jive with Drupal. But then you start to realize the investment you have in the years we've had in Jive and the plugins and all the infrastructure and all the threads we have, we have over you know, 10 million conversation threads in Jive itself. And you start to realize what you really want to do is meet your business objectives, which is I want a faster platform, a lighter platform. I want page, sec page loads in less than two seconds. And then I don't necessarily have to go to a whole new infrastructure, a whole new thing. I just have to work on the things that I want to you know, accomplish for my business objectives. And so that's what we focused on in Jive. And I can see that if you're 
like a data center where you have thousands of VMs and you want to accomplish the agile development, you want to have a lighter footprint, faster, uh, quicker, easier to deploy to that, that Vic and moving in this space and VMware giving us Vic and then additional packages allows you to kind of take that step without having to, you know, you know, spend a lot of money raising new cows or whatever one analogy you want to use there, right? So I could, I could definitely sense that pain. What's the difference, in like Vic versus Photon? Give us the, like, if I go to Vic, I get, I get, I get uh, containers, I get fast containers, auto-provisioned containers. What's that, the, the step to Photon platform is because I get a bundled with vSAN and NSX and other components? Is, is that the true differentiation there? Um, so the biggest differentiation from, you know, Vic is, think of Vic as an advanced or an extended capability of, v, of the core vSphere platform, right? So VMware has uh, historically continued to add new, new innovation, new capability to vSphere. Vic is another example of that. Um, this allows you to um, uh, quickly and easily run uh, containers in your vSphere environment, um, but preserving your you know, security operational boundaries, um, uh, your security boundaries, your operational boundaries, your your um, your IT operational model, um, but still being able to give developers the, the the packaging format that they that they desire. Photon, think of Photon essentially, as, Photon platform essentially as a um, an alternate universe, right? It's an alternate runtime and operations model from uh, from vSphere and vCenter. Um, it takes compute network security storage and some of base operations capabilities and expose them, exposes them through a single uh, single API, which again, there's the UI that goes along with it, but everything we do on that platform comes through the API. It does not have the feature depth or breadth that we have on the vSphere side of the house. Um, it's really focused on providing, um, think of it this way, uh, for those of you who have used um, public cloud uh, infrastructure services from Amazon or Google or, or, uh, or Microsoft. Um, if you go into Amazon, you can request, you can provision a set of, of uh, workloads, a set of servers, you can spin up a container service, you can connect those to a, a networking service, you can put some load balancers in place, you can attach them to storage. You can basically do this all through a pretty simplified um, a single pane of glass or single set of APIs that allow you to, provide, to access these services. Um, Photon, the, the user model is, is identical, right? So through, a single, uh, through the single Photon uh, platform API, you get access to compute, network security, storage, uh, and base operational features. And as a, uh, to an operator, that allows you to you know, deploy and, and look into your um, entire uh, deployment as a whole from, a, from an operator view. As a tenant in that environment, you're able to access that same API in a, in a tenant-restricted mode and request compute network security storage services to, go, to basically support your application development needs. Um, or those can be completely automated, like we do in the case of uh, our, our Kubernetes um, uh, integration. Um, Kubernetes, you can go in through an API call at a higher level and request an entire Kubernetes cluster, and that cluster gets spun up and provisioned, um, but it's pre-wired into, so the, the compute nodes are, are, are set up uh, automatically, and it's pre-wired into a dedicated NSX segment with a uh, ingress-egress point pre-provisioned uh, to the outside world. So effectively, a developer can come in and through effectively a single API call, get their own sandbox that's 
enterprise secured and isolated from the rest of the uh, rest of the topology and the other tenants, um, and that developer can can go to town with a native Kubernetes interface. Got it. Got it. So infrastructure as a service, do you see use cases where people are building their own APIs and their own interfaces to control this environment as opposed to using our front-end GUI? Um, so far, the, the feedback on the Photon Platform API has been, has been extremely positive, so not yet. Um, and I think that if there's, um, like I said, we modeled that very much after uh, kind of analogous to what a uh, a user, an operator could get from or expect from one of the public cl cloud providers on the kind of infrastructure services side. Um, and so the, the, we, 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 we've had this discussion with lots of customers. Um, we had looked at a couple of different models. We looked at the Amazon model. We looked at the OpenStack model. Um, and what the, the feedback was pretty consistent. Um, most of the customers came back and said, we don't want you or need you to copy a specific API, right? Because there's been a lot of learnings over the past decade and a half since Amazon, uh, or the last decade since Amazon's introduced its you know, EC2 and, and S3 APIs. Right. Um, so, you know, basically, as long as it's it's roughly analogous and focuses you know, on compute, network, security, storage, and the way that um, that is commonly understood in the infrastructure world and exposes those services through a common consumption interface, um, then then we're good. And so we followed, we, we took that guidance, we followed that model, um, and we, so we've got a lot of um, uh, a lot of positive feedback on that. Now, at the end of last summer, one of our one of the interns uh, who was working in this project um, uh, wrote a um, uh, effectively a, a, a bolt-on that allows us to expose this in this um, an OpenStack API um, that basically does the mapping to the Photon API. Um, we trialed that with a couple of customers, and they actually preferred to go with the, the, the native Photon API. So um, we're, we left that in kind of uh, summer intern mode for now. Okay. Uh, I'll take a pause. Paul or Adam, any, any, any thoughts or questions? Sure, it's Paul here. Um, I had a question for Paul um, around his thoughts around there's a lot of tooling out there that's, that's handling a lot of uh, containerized applications and, and 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 some of those kind of use cases, and it seems like a pretty crowded market. What's your thoughts on VMware getting into that field versus uh, focusing on infrastructure? So I think your comment about it being crowded is 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 very fair. Um, our goal as you know, as a prior solution is to make sure we you know specific to the tooling space here, um, we want to make sure we're exposing um, interfaces and capabilities that allow these tools to work um, efficiently and easily with the VMware product set. Um, I, I don't see, just like in our customers, and Paul, you probably, you know, Paul Gifford, you probably know this better than, uh, better than I, um, when you go into customers, no two customers are the same in terms of the tooling that they want to take advantage of for a variety of different reasons. So um, with that as kind of the backdrop, I, in this sort of space, I kind of let customers uh, help to guide our decision-making here. Our, our goal here, our, our position here is we want to partner and support um, uh, all, you know, a lot of the tooling that is out there in the marketplace to support our infrastructure products. Um, and give them all equal and, uh, and uh, open access to the interfaces on our products so that their, their tooling integration can be as good as it can be, uh, as good as possible. 
Um, and you know we'll continue to to um, we've done over the last I don't know, six or nine months we've added um, some resources in support of those efforts and we'll continue to do more of that. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know if we picked up Shang or not. Uh, Shang had dialed in, but I don't know, know if he was able to get an audio pin or not. So, Shang, if you're out there, you can certainly jump in and say hello. Uh, there's a question uh, from a guest on the chat. Uh, the question is, VMware Photon platform sounds like micro Microsoft's SBS, Small Business Sphere, for vSphere, NSX, and vSAN. Is this analogy roughly accurate? Um, I am not familiar with that Microsoft product. This is, uh, so Photon Platform is not a, we're not focusing, this is not yet focused at um, uh, the HCI space or the, the kind of uh, small medium business uh, markets. This is um, the types of customers who are um, interested and excited by what we're doing with Photon tend to fall into the, um, uh, there's a number of SaaS uh, providers we're talking to. Um, there's a number of uh, pretty advanced R&D groups inside of major enterprise organizations who are um, uh, tend to operate a little bit more autonomous, autonomously from their core IT uh, uh, core IT groups. Um, and so this is really focused at, at uh, in scenarios where customers are going um, kind of whole hog into the you know, modern application development space and want a corresponding infrastructure platform so that they can run these applications on-prem with a, you know, uh, very, you know, effective, you know, very automated uh, infrastructure service underneath. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Eric, can I, can I ask a, a quick question? This is Adam. Um, just to follow on to what Paul Gifford asked, so do, do we anticipate that a lot of like third-party CICD, you know, all the tooling out there, right, from the, from the DevOps space, do we see them integrating directly to Photon Platform, or do you think most will choose to integrate at the scheduler level with like Kubernetes right on top? Uh, what do you see kind of where that's going to land? So I think there will be a little bit of both. Um, I think it's going to – a lot of that tooling integration is driven by customer demand. Um, so we're seeding some of that by doing some, you know, helping along some of the tooling integration with Photon at the infrastructure side, um, and then we're making sure we support the the already in, the already um, the tooling integration that's already happened uh, at the higher levels. For instance, like with the Kubernetes framework, making sure that that's uh, tested and supported with the platform. So um, you know, again, it depends on, and this is one of the things I've I've uh, I've observed over the past six or seven months since I've been in the role. Um, even customers who are um, who believe at this point they are 100% committed to Kubernetes, it's it, it does not have the maturity or the breadth of service capability to cover a, um, a large fraction of their application uh, development practices. Right? It it, it does not have um, you know customers. If I think about it, kind of if I break it down into to a couple of different functional areas um, in your typical enterprise organization, um, there's four areas of interest or four areas I see uh, emerging over and over again that customers have to think about or have to consider when they're, when they're uh, talking about their application development uh, surface area. The first is, is a, you know, for the majority of their, of their developers, they are, there's a lot of interest and the interest is just increasing. Um, in order to drive developer efficiency, but there's a lot of interest in a you know, kind of a general 
application development platform like. Um, there's a number out there. I'm gonna, I'll mention uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry uh, since it's one of the it's it's in the uh, uh, the VMware family of companies. So Pivotal Cloud Foundry with its PaaS offering is a pretty comprehensive set of capabilities for developers, including detailed tooling integration to support um, the uh, you know major enterprise app modernization efforts. Um, alongside of that, the next kind of column of services that that uh, customers talk about are something that's a little bit less structured. So they look at kind of just a generic um, uh, container framework or container runtime like Kubernetes or Docker. Um, next to that, there's you know customers look at um, services that aren't um, well suited to run in containers today. Things like uh, a lot of the a lot of the data and stateful services, data data rich services and stateful services are still um, uh, you're still better off running them as VMs or in some cases even bare metal, but it's better off running them as VMs. So things like um, uh, Postgres, uh, uh, Mongo, um, RabbitMQ, those sorts of, of things I put in the data services category. And then the fourth category um, is, again, this is just starting to emerge with, with some of our enterprise customers on kind of more of the leading edge, um, is around functions or serverless. Um, so we've got, you know, VMware's been, uh, been uh, doing some work internally on um, uh, developing a service that that might address the, that customer need on prem. Um, so again, those are the kind of the four the four buckets of services that we see customers needing in, in, in a in a complete comprehensive application development environment at your typical enterprise. And so, no one solution or no one no one. Uh, Point of tooling integration can solve all of those things or address all of those things. So you need a, you need first an infrastructure platform that can support those different services in a, in a, in an enterprise ready way. And then you need a, a, a kind of a mindset or a set of capabilities at the application development level that can cover enough ground to provide services across those four functional areas. Um, and so I think you're going to see, you know, Kubernetes is certainly, like we think about some of the some of the capabilities in Kubernetes, they are expanding to have more, um, uh, some data services support. They are expanding to do, uh, um, to have, uh, there's, a, there's a project in the Kubernetes community around serverless. Um, some of the other frameworks like, you know, Mesos and Mesosphere has focused really much a lot on the data services side of things. Um, but they're now, they now have a container as a service offering. Um, Pivotal, uh, who focuses on um, kind of the end-to-end -end application development uh, framework and methodology, um, has data services offerings with their um, Gemfire and uh, Rabbit and Postgres offerings. They have a, um, uh, they talked uh, more recently about a, um, a service implementation called Spring Function. Um, and just uh, two weeks ago at Google Next, they introduced um, something called Kubo or Kubernetes on Bosch, right? So they have uh, kind of started to develop this kind of full breadth of services. So I think, again, long-winded answer to your question, uh, Adam, so sorry about that, but what I'm getting at is no, not one tool is going to, you know, solve every problem, and there's not a single approach to application development that's going to address the breadth of services a, a, a your typical enterprise is going to need to truly um, transform digitally and modernize their applications. Okay, thank you. 
Shang, I saw that you you joined the call. Uh, I think you had a question as well. If you want to jump in, you can. And if not, I will ask my my next question: scalability. Um, I know that you know one of the things that Shang mentioned in chat was that the photon controller tends to be a highly distributed capability, unlike vCenter. Um, and I remember Kit talking about scalability when we talked about Photon. Is there is there a message that we can talk about scalability? Are you guys working on this? I know that you know when you start talking about Docker and containers, you know, taking this out to where you have two or three thousand of these things running, and we you know we've made it scale is important. Have you guys worked on that? So we have. It has been a focus for Photon. And, you know, we talk. You know, we think about. Um, how we allow the comprehensive offering to scale to uh, across thousands of nodes, right? So we, te- you know, we test in house to, to to pretty high numbers, um, but I think there's there's a bit of a, uh, uh, and I think this is kind of um, you know, kind of has, has lingered historically. So I'm going to attempt to put it to, to bed today on uh, on the podcast if you don't mind. Um, there's this, you know, there's a concept of, of vSphere not scaling. Well. I don't know if you've looked at the vSphere 6.5 numbers, but vSphere scales uh, pretty damn far today, um, enough to cover uh, a very large majority of even our largest enterprise shops. Now, there's a few exceptions and a few outliers in some of the largest environments where you've got to go to um, uh, you know, multiple VC instances, um, but the scalability improvements going from 5.5, vSphere 5.5 to 6.0 to 6.5 have been off the charts. So um, anybody who... Um, Anybody yeah, I think that I think that scale, yeah. I, I point them back to yeah. the, the the latest testing numbers that, that came out with six five. I think from our perspective, the question was more on the lines of the typical container management people don't understand scale. VMware has learned how to scale. Has vSphere definitely scales? vCenter scales. Um, what have you guys done to deal with scale in the container management world? So just the, the nature of the nature of the photon architecture. Um, you know, the way it was architected from day one is, is designed for scale. So we've tested um, to uh, a thousand compute nodes, um, but you know, I haven't. We haven't had a need to push beyond that at this stage, simply because of where our customers are with the with the solution. Um, over time, we'll we'll expand that. But you're right. I know as you start to think about um, different application frameworks and container frameworks integrating on top of Photon. Um, uh, I don't know that I've come across a scenario yet where um, where our scale is actually challenged, you know, or where we're, we're the bottleneck. So um, again, I'm trying to say this in a very nice way, right? There's, you know, five or seven years ago, there were, you know, maybe a, a handful of cust- uh, companies, startups in the container space. Um, today, if you count up all the open source projects and and, uh, and and startups in the container space and some of the more established companies, um, there's there's hundreds. Um, five or five to seven years from now, there's probably going to be back down to to you know under 100, you know 20 to 50 customer uh, companies in this space. Right. And and that's part of the the natural curve and maturity curve. Um, as some of those ideas bear out and others fail, those companies will consolidate or disappear. And the ones that are left standing and the ones that start to grow, they will have to, to continue their growth trajectory. They will have to start to address some of these scale challenges. This is where I think VMware has a, um, you know, has a lot of knowledge, a lot of maturity, uh, and a lot of experience to, to 
leverage and to share with our uh, with our partners. Um, and at the end of the day, customers benefit because we've seen this movie before, right? I go back to my earlier comment about, you know, containers. All we're dealing with is a new type of virtualized workload at a um, with, an with an additional order of magnitude potential in in workload um, uh, work workload scale that we have to that we have to think about. Um, but we know this movie. We've written this movie. We've written the sequel to this movie, um, and I think we can write the you know we can help write the next sequel and um, and provide a really solid enterprise foundation upon which to run a large collection of uh, containerized services and application development uh, methodologies. Okay. I got two more, two more subjects um, that I can hit. We have about 10 more minutes left. Uh, one is hyper-converged offerings for the Photon platform. I don't know if we've done anything there. I legitimately don't know. So I'll, if you want to take that one. I also have around AWS and you know we're obviously offering offerings uh, from VMware that run on uh, AWS now. Is there any you know direction going forward with regards to some of the CNA technologies? Uh, so either one of those are two subjects we could talk about, or sure. if you want to talk about anything else, uh, let so me know. Let me address the the HCI one quickly. Um, nothing on that front yet. Um, I would say. Uh, had some discussions um, and we have, have had some discussions and there's been some customer interest there um, particularly around some of the uh, the hardware platforms that um, uh, Dell puts out so um, you know nothing to nothing to share more broadly than that yet but it's something that's under discussion on the AWS front or the public cloud front um, I'll mention two things um, so VMC or the VMware on AWS offering that that's uh, been announced um, and is approaching uh, beta and will be you know um, uh, start opening up to customers in the second half of this year. Um, it is it will have aspects of the um, vSphere integrated containers or VIC offering uh, available with it. So um, expect that you know expect to hear more about that uh, over the coming months. Um, on okay. The photon side of the house, um, we're looking at it from uh, both in a, through a similar lens, but also a, a slightly different lens. Um, there's uh, there's no plans at this point to have a photon platform on on AWS as as we do with with vSphere um, uh, at this stage. There are we are looking at and we're doing some some development. This is you know this is the fun part about having photon controller itself um, and. Uh, Photon OS, which is the, the corresponding Linux distribution that we cr we created to underpin all of our, our virtual appliances. Um, so this is the fun part about having this out there in the open source community. We get to, to talk about things a little bit more freely than we do from our um, from some of our other projects. Um, but we're working uh, with Photon Platform. We have this vision of Photon Platform uh, led by the Photon controller uh, of, of offering a cross-cloud infrastructure service. Um, so this means taking advantage of different clouds, public or private, as availability zones, but under the same control layer, right? So if you think about that construct and the ability to expose a, um, a common set of services and infra infrastructure services and developer services uh, from a single infrastructure offering and then leverage different public clouds or private cloud assets as availability zones of sorts um, based on okay. where you can get 
access to the service the most cost effectively. Um, well, that's where we're that's where we're taking Photon Platform, um, and so you'll see you know um, you'll see us talk a little bit more later this year uh, about uh, how we're using Photon OS as a as a uh, uh, alternate compute node for Photon Platform. So for on-prem, um, ESX will be will be the default, but then in some of these uh, uh, cross-cloud availability zones, um, we could leverage Photon OS as a, an alternate compute node that um, you know is running natively on the, um, the the public cloud platform, but ties back into a common Photon controller that is multi-zone. Nice, I get it. That makes sense. So, um, expecting to see this over the next year or two, depending on how quickly we get there and how quickly clouds develop. But I assume you guys are going to work on that. That is uh, that is the plan. Great. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pause for a minute. Um, we have, still have five more minutes. Any questions from our community guests? Going once. Nothing from going me. twice. Okay, great. Uh, then I'll I'll hit you with another one. Are there any showcase customers, and I know I didn't talk to you ahead of time, Paul, um, but are there any showcase customers or anybody you would like to say, look, we're doing this and it's, it's working well that they're, they've allowed us to, to speak about? Um, none I'm going to share with on, the, on the show today, Eric, um, but stay tuned. All right, great. I know that uh, sometimes sometimes you have a couple. I know that we always do that. We try to get on any new technology. We we pick up you know a handful. I forget what the name we use when we we call those our spotlight customers or whatever we call them. Where we're working with them to kind of iron out some of the some of the big bugs or some of the the features you need to make these things happen. So yeah, uh, looking forward to hearing about them when when we can go public with some of those. Yeah, based on the previous description I gave of the types of customers we're engaged with. Um, they're, they tend to be um, pretty large in size and pretty private in sharing. Yeah. So um, Yeah, absolutely. There's a process we go through. That's why I said I didn't talk to you ahead of time about this, but I thought I would throw it out there anyway, see if we had one. Had one or two out there. I know that I get exposed to some of the ones that you guys are working on privately, but obviously I don't know the ones that we're able to go public with yet, but that's good. Um, other one more follow-up that we normally do. Are you on Twitter? And where would people go read and follow about CNA? Does CNA have uh, a blog, website, Twitter account, or places to go learn about what we're working on? Yes, we so we have all of those things. So off of um, there's a blog on off of VMware's blog site. There's a cloud native blog section um, that we post to pretty regularly. Um, there's a okay. cloud native apps uh, VMware Twitter handle. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's just my first initial and my last name. Um, you know, pretty regularly uh, sharing information about what we're doing in, in, in the space. Um, and then I think I think those are the major. Those are, and then there's a there's a, a VMware.com/slash/cloud-native uh, landing page that you can go to. Landing page, sure. Yeah. So what was your Twitter handle again? We'll 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 pimp that guy one more time. It's at pfazone. P F A Z Z O N E. O-N-E. Great. So we'll give you a follow. We did not put you out in the invite. I did not look you up. I should have. Apologize for that. Okay. Um, well, it's been uh, great to have you on the show. It sounds like you guys have been busy. Uh, we will miss Kid Colbert, but uh, certainly glad to meet you and engage with you. And maybe we'll give you another year and bring you back on and, and get to hear what you've how you've moved the, the needle forward. And by then, maybe you can talk about some, some cool customers. Sounds good, Thanks. Eric. Thanks for your time. Th 
thanks for being on the show, and uh, thanks a lot to our community guests, Adam and Paul. Shang, sorry we didn't get you on audio. We'll catch you again next week. And Tommy Berry, I'm not sure if we have anyone scheduled for next week on the show. Uh, if not, we will be busily working to figure out who's going to be next. I know we've had some people make those requests. Yeah, we actually we have one lined up for next week. We will be talking VMware Validated Design 4.0 with Forbes Go3. VMware Validated Designs 4.0. All right, perfect. Well, uh, thanks again for everybody coming on live and being here, and thanks for those in the live stream. Thanks for your chat questions. We will be here again next week. Uh, so until then, have a great great week. Talk to you Wait, later. Wait, Eric, before, before you uh, stop recording, um, mm -hmm. we are building out our April schedule right now. We have a few um, guests that we're considering we've already reached out to, but if you are interested and would like to get on the schedule in April or May or beyond, please reach out to us, or you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm virtually Tommy, and we'll go ahead and uh, get you on the schedule. So please reach out. We'd love to have you, or if you're interested right. in joining the roundtable. All right. Thanks a lot, Tommy, and we'll be here again next week. Talk to you later.